Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, IDP Army. Ever think about making your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make some money with your podcast, too, with no minimum listenership. It's got everything that you need to make a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for, IDP Army? Download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm to get started today. What is up, IDP Army? It's your man, Jordan Reigns. Back at it again. This is the IDP Army podcast where you know we are talking mostly IDP, all fantasy football. If it's your first time on the show or catching the show, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I hope you stick around with us. Uh, if it's not, thank, welcome back. Uh, make sure you smash the subscribe button, the follow button, smash, you know, like, all that stuff, thumbs up, blah, blah, blah. You know all that. Um, we're on all the platforms, you know, Anchor, Spotify, YouTube iTunes, all that good stuff. So we're where you want us to be. Appreciate y'all being here again. Uh, please leave a far st- five-star rating and review. That would help the show out a lot. All right, that was a long-winded intro. I'm here with some guests today, guys. It's not just me. I won't just have to ramble on. We're talking real talk, truth about 2020, IDP, DLs. I got my guys here, Jorge Andrews, and I got Nate Markham of Fantasy and Frames. Boys, how you doing? Dude, Jordan, thank you very much for having us on, man. We've been, uh, looking, at, we've been looking forward to this for a very long time. We love your work. We're big fans of IDP one two three and the push you're making it to make uh, to make it a you know the default scoring setting for a lot of places. And just just so you know, and all the fans know, all the IDP content that you're going to be seeing from us here at Fantasy and Frames, uh, we will be including IDP scoring uh, when we're doing our analysis on IDP players because we think it is a valid scoring metric, and it should be. Uh, it's one of those I really think it should be included in a lot more platforms. Yeah, I you know w- number one, thanks for having us, Jordan. Nice, nice chatting with you finally in person. Besides yes, uh, going through the uh, the Twitter sphere, but you know to back up what Jorge was saying, I think the one area that people get totally confused and scared and intimidated. I'm using those words because I, I want to make people feel guilty for not jumping on the IDP train. And if you insult people, usually that's a good way to get them to uh, come aboard. But no, so what I mean is that. If you have 20 different scoring formats, there's no consistency. And with that, what happens is it's hard to bounce from place to place and you just eventually get fed up. And, and I mean, season. dude, and I mean, come on, we know off offenses, they they can make that claim and say, oh, look, but look how many scoring settings and scoring formats there are for offense. Really, are there really? There's pretty much about three standard. You can manipulate 
Mm-hmm. You have standard contextualized, you have contextualized exactly. always contextualized, but they start somewhere. Everybody exactly. has a cornerstone. There's a cornerstone to every league scoring system that makes sense, or it did once upon a time. Looking at UPP or standard scoring over there, mm-hmm. um, you know, but things change. The fantasy is evolving year after year, and it's unfortunate that IDP is so far behind all these years later. But we're out here repping. I appreciate what you guys are doing, talking offense and defense. We do that here too. I go on a Josh Allen tangent once or twice an episode nice. that happens you know tj or you know patrick mahomes i go on tangents you know i love my offensive guys but we represent the defense here tj watt hopefully gets that defensive player of the year but guys how long have you guys been playing idp i'll share something with y'all i've only been playing idp like three years um i haven't you know this is kind of a you know scary thing i haven't really it told the idp army but you know i'm not like a 10-year idp veteran i'm kind of new to the scene and that's kind of why i view this stuff so passionately is because when i came in these are the issues that I saw and I saw that they were problems, you know, and it, it's what kept me from playing IDP five years ago when I started playing fantasy, you know, 10 years ago, whatever it was, because it didn't make sense. I looked at it and I was like, I just don't get this. You know, I, I joined in and I, I got into a league that was half decent and I was like, all right, I want to play in another one. The next league I joined was so completely different. The value of players was so com- everything was different. And I was like, this is crazy. And I joined another one and another one. And I about my sixth IDP league. I realized, oh my gosh, like there's, there is no, there is no through line to this. And that's when I show, you know, and I've been looking for an end into the fantasy community, you know, because I mean, everybody talks offense. And I was like, this is a real need. This is, you know, and I offered a solution. That's what IDP one, two, three is. And a lot of people are adopting it. I like to say, let the market decide if it's worth it or not. I think the market is speaking. I think there's going to be a lot more IDP one, two, three leagues coming up soon. I thank you guys for endorsing it. Thank Dynasty Nerds for that. Uh, I, you know, it, it is what it is at this point. That was last year, though. This year, my new thing is zero DL. So uh, <laughs> we need to talk about some defensive line players. Um, but before we get to that, Super Bowl predictions. And what do you guys think about this Tampa Bay defensive line? Because we're going to be talking about a couple of those guys soon. Nate, you're the uh, Chiefs fan here. Yeah. Start with you. Well, I mean, the defensive line aside for Tampa, my concern is the offensive line for KC. And we've had issues from the very beginning of the season when we've had opt outs. We, I say we, like I'm part of the team, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say we, you hey, know, I, am, I, I believe Chiefs, I believe Casey, you can see in the background, that's, that's, that's the stadium there, there we are. And so um, losing Eric Fisher is going to be a concern. I, I really have to, I, I hope the, the number one key, if, if you, if you want to slow down a defensive line and a pass rush outside of a good offensive line and a quarterback that's mobile is a coach that puts your team in position to, help offset that pressure and Andy Reid I know this is not the expected answer that people are going to get but Andy Reid is the single most important thing to that pass rush if you ask me I think he's going to set up some plays where hopefully they they have some draws they have something set up that's going to put them in a position to keep Mahomes uh, on his feet what do you think Jorge yeah I I think the loss of Eric Fisher is going to be a big one. I'm I'm expecting Devin White to go off and just really they're they're going to use him in so many different ways, rushing the quarterback, you know, playing in coverage, which he's not, uh, I believe, so good in coverage, but he gets you those tackles. So who cares in terms of IDP scoring, right? Um, he's not coming off the field, right? No, exactly. <laughs> That's for darn sure. Um, no, I think they're going to do a better job of stopping Tyreek Hill from going for 200 yards in a quarter. I, th- you know, I I would be very surprised if they let that happen again. You're taking but, the under on that, is what you're saying? I'm not placing any bets. <laughs> yeah, I would place uh, the uh, under bet on 200 yards <laughs> a quarter. I'm pretty safe. Uh, uh, well, I guess that's a very good point. No, but I, I, I 
I think Kansas City is going to find a way to pull this out. I think Andy Reid, like you just said, Dan, is the key to all this. That being said, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. And you look at what happened towards the end of the, the last game they played each other. Uh, Tampa kind of climbed back in there. You know, in Kansas City, you know, they weren't in any danger of losing that game. You know, I think they just kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit at that point. But Tampa found a way. Uh, they Here's the thing. In that game, Tampa wasn't clicking in all cylinders yet. Now they are. Now, if they can get Antonio Brown back, that's now that's something else. You know, he was starting to click on all cylinders towards the end of the season. I really see this Buccaneers offense giving Kansas City fits. The question really is how much of an impact can this Kansas City defense, excuse me, this Tampa Bay defense have on Kansas City? Yeah. And, and this losing the left tackle is not a big, it's not a small thing for Kansas no. City. My uh, my take, I mean, which is kind of a take, is I think Tom Brady's taking it home again. I love Patrick Mahomes more than anything in the world, but look at what Tom Brady just did. I mean, it's it's it, we're we're it's like we're numb to it, and but he's surrounded by superstars: Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Leonard Fournette, number four overall pick. Say what you want, okay? He's got a great offensive coach. He's got a great defensive coach. He's got two of the best pass rushers in the league. He's got Dominican Sue. They just drafted Winfield. This team is stout. Levante David, who's going to be a Hall of Famer. Devin White, who's blowing it up. I mean, this team is a team. The Chiefs are a great offense, and I love the Chiefs' defense, but the Chiefs' defense is it's like a playmaking defense. They can't stop people from scoring, but they can make – Frank Clark is only useful – when you absolutely 100% have to make, he has to make a play. Then he makes a play. That's what Frank Clark does. It's fourth down. The game's on the line. They're get him out of field goal range, and then he shows up. He won't put another stat on the on the on the board the whole game. Honey Badger's kind of the same way this year. He only shows up when it matters, and that scares me against Tom Brady because it's going to matter every single drive. Um, so my take is, and I hate to say this, I think Tom Brady's going to go win the Super Bowl, and I think he's going to. Pat Mahomes on the butt. I think he's going to walk out of there, you know, big dick energy, and he's going to retire, and that's that. So I hate to say that as a Chiefs fan, but you got to pay homage to the the OG, the GOAT, you know, and Tom Brady, I mean, it's it's unreal. So It's going to be a show for sure, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it'll be, and that's the thing. It's going to be fireworks on both. It's going to be offense and defensive fireworks. Um, You know, Shaq, Shaq Barrett, who we're going to talk about, and we're about mm-hmm. to get through the IDP army. We just want to, you know, chop it up with these guys real quick. You know, and Jason Pierre-Paul. You guys saw that game last Sunday. They put Aaron Rodgers on the ground a lot, mm-hmm. a lot. Um, And that and was no easy task. He is. And he, you know, and Mahomes, too, is a little banged up. He got turf toe. You know what I mean? That's not – I mean, that's what I – when we were watching, watching this game last Saturday or, or Sunday, I was like, man, like I told my wife, I was like, he's hurt. Like, don't let them fool you. Mahomes is in this game. I was like, he's going in this game hurt. Like, his foot is hurt. I was like, he's still going to win. I was like, but they won't talk about how he's hurt right now. Mm-hmm. So. I don't think anybody expected them to come <clears throat> in and actually handle Buffalo as easily as it, as it appeared. And there were certain instances where Mahomes – you know, Mahomes had had that foot – actually kind of plant toe first on some of those uh i don't want to call them design runs because none of those were designed but some of the scrambles if you want to call it that and, and he you know he played through it if there's one positive i'll take <clears throat> is that turf toe as difficult to play through typically situations like that there's there's lingering effects and you see that so luckily I'm I'm optimistic that I maybe think the turf toe is not as bad, even though it's tough to say a gradient scale of turf toe is turf toe or not. There's no uh-huh. grade two strain like a knee strain or an MCL, but 
he he played through. So I, I'm yeah. You know, what's it's up, gonna, Hollywood? Yeah, it's gonna it'll be something. It'll be it'll be it's one for the ages. I mean, I still he Patrick Mahomes should be going to his third Super Bowl right now. Like you know, we all know that. So, um, all right, we were gonna talk DL draft strategy at the front end of the show. I kind of want to. We're ten minutes in. I want to kind of hop into some of these players, and maybe we'll get to that towards the end instead. So, um. Guys, gals, again, thanks for joining. Hit like, hit subscribe. Appreciate you being here. I got Jorge. I got Nate with me. We're going to talk the top 12 defensive linemen of 2020. Top uh, Just, you know, for some parameters, this is going to be based on IDP 123 scoring. Setting the table here. This is going to be sleeper designations. So there's going to be some pass rush outside linebackers for you purists out there that are going to be mentioned here. And if it bothers you, just put your earmuffs on. It's going to be okay. Okay. So we're going to start with one of those. And it's TJ Watt, number one, fourth season in the NFL with the Pittsburgh Steelers, played 15 games, 307 points in IDP 123 scoring, 213.3 if you're on fantasy pros. I'm gonna give them a little shout out. 33 impact plays, <clears throat> which I'm gonna quickly go over impact plays with y'all. And IDP 123 scoring an impact play is any play that is over uh three points. That is going to be your force fumble, fumble recovery, pass defended, safety, block kick. That is also going to be your tackle for loss because it's going to stack with a solo tackle. So it'll be a net four-point play, sacks, interceptions, and touchdowns. Go read the article on Dynasty Nerds as a whole thing, outlining why it is the way it is. Go read the pinned tweet on my Twitter. But So he had 33 impact plays, big deal, led the league in sacks, 15, led the league in tackles for loss, 23, third season in the NFL uh, with seven or more pass breakups, which are one of my favorite auxiliary stats to talk about. Uh, guys, I guess we'll start with you, Jorge. What are your thoughts on TJ Watt this season and going forward? And then Nate, and then we'll circle back up to me. Sure. You know, one of the things when I was looking at this top 12 list and then I was looking specifically at TJ Watt, so many dual designation players, you know, this edge rusher category that I think should be more common in IDP leagues and more of like the the norm than the exception. Um, a player like TJ Watt, like you, like you just rattled off all those stats, like he can do everything, whether it's sacking the quarterback like a defensive lineman, whether it's playing in coverage, getting those passes defense, like – I like to call these players like the Swiss Army Knives of defenses. And I really think this is actually great for defensive linemen in terms of uh, from a fantasy football standpoint, because now you're getting more variability. Now you can start deciding, okay, should I go zero DL like you were talking about earlier? Can I get better value at a lower, at a LB three or four, right? That would traditionally be an LB three or four, but be a defensive lineman one, be a defensive lineman two. Like, this cross-switching of roles uh, between a defensive lineman and a linebacker, this hybrid uh, position, uh, I think does wonders. And, look, T.J. Watt is a beast. He's going to – I watched your last uh, po- uh, podcast episode where you're talking about linebackers. This guy, he should win a, win a ring with Pittsburgh. He is the Pittsburgh defense. They're going to build – they should build around him. Uh, he is great for fantasy football. He can get you fantasy points in so many different ways, like – I would be very surprised if he did not win, like you said, defensive player of the year this year. And as far as going into next year, I I could you could make the argument he should be the first IDP player off the board. Make the argument. I thought that we, I thought that's what we all believe. I thought I people. <laughs> oh man. Uh, he work? went in in the most recent IDP dynasty startup that I that we did. Um, he did go number one. So 
it is right. gaining traction. In a way, right. you, you weren't in it, so you couldn't pick number one to take it. <laughs> early adopter, early you, adopter. You, right you took them in our league that we're in together, one of the dynasty leagues. Yeah, I took yeah. him last year, number one over. Was it number one overall or number two? Uh, uh, one I or two. Remember. I, I won the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. On the back. We, we, know, <laughs> we know you won the league, George. One of the leagues I won, okay, no money. So it's not as great as it seems, but I, I still felt good beating you guys. Love you, though. <laughs> Uh, you should. There's 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 uh, something to be said about some pride. Uh, I like money more than pride, but at the same time, it's very it's a little bit closer. That was a tough league. That was I mean that yeah. was, there were some sharks, and I mean they were busy boys in there. But you know, when you draft like a king, when you draft T.J. Watt and Roquan Smith, I mean, what can they do? Uh, yeah. But who saw that coming from Roquan Smith? Like that, I didn't expect him to have that top. Really? Come on, you saw him being I mean I, linebacker. I'm, I'm going to stick to the company line. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, so I'm going to, I'm a piggyback off of everything Jorge was saying about TJ Watt. And, you know, and I look at the one thing that I really, really like, and especially with that number one pick is the, the consistency that you've even mentioned with him. If you go back two years, he has what, three games where he scored less than 10 points. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the consistent consistent play is, is always a motivator. The one question I have going forward for you guys Maybe the loss, I'm assuming Bud Dupree's gone. I don't think that they're going to bring Bud Dupree back. What impact does that have on T.J. Watt? I don't think any, personally, because I think we've seen Pittsburgh this year with every loss they've had was a plug-and-play and and keep doing their thing. But I'm interested to hear what you two think if losing Bud Dupree has any ancillary effect on T.J. whatsoever. I'll let you go, Jorge, and then I will close this out on Watt, and we will roll on through. This is what makes him such a verse. This is what makes him so good for an IDP play. Let's say they start, you know, block the offensive line starts blocking him from getting to the quarterback. Okay, you know what? He's going to get your tackles and passes defense that way. He's going to find a way to compensate for whatever he's lacking because of the lack of uh, Bud Dupree on the other side. But like you said, Nate, it was literally, you know, plug and play. Like Robert Splain became a thing. And we were hyping Robert Splain for a good chunk of the season until he got hurt uh, before the Washington game. Um, so it, it's, I feel very confident no matter who's playing opposite of TJ, what he's going to get his most importantly, he's going to get you your fantasy points and help you come out with a victory. Uh, hopefully each week when you're starting him. Amen. That's kind of how I think I view it too. You know, I mean, Bud Dupree before last year, we weren't really talking about him as if he was anything special. And I mean, I was on Watt coming into last season. I mean, we knew Watt was going to be special. I mean, you could already kind of see it in this play, um, you know, and I'm looking at my the notes here. I sent you guys, but, you know, excluding his rookie season, averaging, you know, basically four tackles a game, three of those being solo. I mean, that's a great floor for a defensive lineman. Uh, 0.9 sacks a game. Uh, two or 1.9 impact plays a game, two quarterback hits a game. So, I mean, essentially he's averaging around 21 fantasy points per game in IDP one, two, three scoring, just to like, give you an idea of what that means. Like the top end players, uh, Darius Leonard's crazy year, two years ago, he averaged like 24. So, I mean, Watt since that same time is basically averaging 21. So, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. Um, people are catching on finally, and that makes me very happy. Uh, and he he deserves all the you know respect that he's he's finally getting as a linebacker or a defensive line player, number one overall IDP. And I think he's going to be fine no matter what. That they're a defensive team. They have they have guys. You know, what I mean, there's guys there. High Smith's coming up. Um, you know, I really like him. Cam Hayward, Tuit are still going to be there. 
Uh, Bud Dupree, we'll see what happens with him. So yeah, they traded for uh, Avery Williamson <clears throat> last year too. So mm-hmm. so they're a linebacking core. I mean, they're they're they got pieces there. I'm not I'm not too worried about T.J. Watt. He's like I said, he's my number one IDP asset. I'm taking him pretty much in every startup draft I'm in. If he's like in the sixth round on sleeper, um, I'm taking him sixth seventh round. I will take him. I'm fine making him. Usually, I'm a little timid about being the first person to take an IDP player, but I'm if I'm in a spot and I know this is where it's happening and he hasn't gone. I'm not scared to take him either because every draft I've been in, which aren't many because I don't let this happen where I don't get him. I die on the inside. It hurts me. <laughs> and then that person who I'm in there with knows that I'm dying. Like I want him so bad. Um, so I just don't let it happen. There you go. <laughs> That's how I deal with it. All right. Number two on the season, uh, sixth season in the league, Zadarius Smith, Second year uh, on this uh, top, uh, I believe. I don't know where he finished last year exactly. I actually have all this information. He was there. seventh in was 2019. He? Yeah. Nice. All right. What do we got here? Uh, let me see who he is. I have this is from last. Oh, he, I have him as five right here. But I mean, that's probably a little bit different from what we had. You know, again, that's yeah. the thing with IDP one, two, three scoring because I'm like the only person who really curates this stuff. You know, I mean, it's I, I, I try to tell people, look at this, look at that. But, you know, we're all kind of, you know, again, the IDP community, the misinformation where we're not all in the same like level you know and that that kind of hurts you know but mm-hmm. we're, we're working on that we're sharing stuff with each other we're in that you know that beta league together where we're looking at stuff so uh you know i think you know more voices harmonizing together you know is what's going to make a difference there but back Absolutely. to zadarius top five finish last year number two this year you know crazy that the Ravens just let him go to Green Bay, um, and they didn't really even play him when he was there as a full-time pass rusher. Uh, he popped on a per-snap basis, played 16 games this year, 233 points, 20 impact plays, 12 and a half sacks. Um, I'll share my screen here with you guys again real quick so we can look at his uh, actual season production. Similar-ish type of breakdown here to Watt. Which you love to see. I mean, if you're similar, no, no. if your season breaks down similarly to the best player in the league, that's a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what we got? 75 points on sacks, 32, 30% of solos. Um, you know, he's only like, what, 28? You know, what, what do you guys think about him? You know, we saw him play this last week, too. I mean, it shows you that a, a, an elite edge rusher does make a difference. I mean, look at the teams that made it to the playoffs. We had the Steelers. We had the Browns. We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We have Zedarius Smith and the Green Bay Packers. I mean, it makes it, you know, the Rams. I mean, almost every guy on this list, except for Leonard Williams, um, made it to the playoffs. And J.J. Watt, RIP, bro. I know. Man, I hope he goes somewhere good. I feel bad. For <laughs> I, hope, I hope he goes to Pittsburgh and all the Watt brothers are united. Dude. They form Voltron and they go crazy. Yeah, on the dude. Yes. Imagine that. Um, talking about Zedarius. So, you know, as a, I think the last two years, the one thing uh, I'm using the word compiler, not as a negative necessarily, but playing 32 games has consistently helped. If you look at what he's done, he's double teamed probably at, want to say the second most of any uh, edge rusher in the NFL. He he has a decent win rate. It's not elite, but it's decent. So playing enough is consistently helping, of course. And I know that sounds so simple and stupid, but at the same time, obviously, you want to be on the field. Another Mm -hmm. key aspect, if you ask me, is the kind of drives by the offense. And if they can add, I've seen reports that Will Fuller might go there next year. If you get the same Aaron Rodgers and same offense, the best way to make an edge rusher successful, have a defense or have a team that you're playing have to be chasing points. And I think that might be another thing that works in his favor next year is I think this offense stays, I don't want to use the word elite, but I'm going to use the word elite for him. High level. 
Yeah, thank you. Above average. As long as they're playing sub 500 teams, they're going to be elite. <laughs> and in that division, that's not too difficult. Well, you know, it's funny. You, you mentioned sub average. When we're talking about looking at it from a total points scoring, uh, just looking at linebackers, he falls into the LB3 in terms of scoring points between uh, the linebackers 25 through 36. You can totally wait on Zadarius Smith in your drafts. Okay, and plug him in as not your linebacker one or two, but as your DL one. Mm-hmm. Like th- it just tells you the, the again, we're hammering home here. Edge defenders have to matter. Like this is how you make these players more valuable. You don't make defensive linemen valuable, then what's the point of having them in there? You know, you get mm-hmm. your four or five and then you're done. Like that that's just stupid. You know, like let's 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 make these players mean something for all of us to cheer. Like the more we're cheering on these players, the more we're invested. Yep. Um, and to do that, you have to have two things. I mean, you have to, one, you have to score the plays that matter. You know, you can't just score sacks and tackles. I mean, that's too binary. That's too reductive. And that can't be all you talk about in your analysis. But to have anything else to talk about, you have to what? You have to have, you know, a set of rules. You know, we're, we're building a world here. We're playing a game. We have to have rules, standards, a board. Let's set a board up. What are the rules? What are the score of this this action? And you have to weight those actions appropriately. You know, I don't want to throw shade at fantasy pros, but my big issue with their scoring system is a pass deflection is a point and a half. That's the same as a solo tackle. A solo tackle happens beyond the line of scrimmage. It could happen 40, 50 yards down the field. You know what I mean? And that means the ball has gone that far down the field. That sucks. That shouldn't be rewarded the same as a play that if a pass gets thrown 50 yards down the field and gets batted away, that stop. The, the line of scrimmage is still 50 yards that way, not 50 yards that way. So why is it the same? It doesn't make any sense. Um, and it's just, you know, and that's in IDP, you know, that's part of the reason people don't have fun when they're saying it. You know, the first league I was in, I think a sack was two points. And I remember when I first realized that because I was so hyped. I was like, yes, I jumped up and down. I looked at my phone because I didn't know the scoring system. So my first IDP league, I got two points. I about broke my phone. I about beat the TV. And I was like, are you kidding me? I've been sitting here on the edge of my seat waiting for the sack, which I just assumed would be worth six, seven, eight points. Cause I know they didn't happen very often. I got two points. Mm. Oh, I was so mad. I was so mad. And I was like, went in the league chat. I was like, why is this happening? Bob, they're like, dude, chill. This is just how it is. And I'm like, why are people okay with this? And here I am rambling about it yet again. <laughs> and, and you created your own system, which is catching like fire. Uh, and that's what, so, you know, um, that's what innovators do, you know, and, and, and it, it's a credit to you and it's credit to the scoring system. And um, appreciate it. It, 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 it needs it. The thing is, it needs to happen. It, it needs to happen. We can't just keep doing this whole appease people to try and get into IDP. And who are we trying to appease? That's, that's, my that, that's, what, that's where I was going with that. Sorry to cut you off. Mm-hmm. That's exactly where I was going with it. Are we appeasing these people who don't play IDP to join IDP? Are we trying to like, I don't people care. who are IDP people. Exactly. Those people don't need me. That's not who I'm here for. I'm not here for a 14, 15 year grizzled IDP veteran in a 40 year running MFL league. He doesn't need me. You know who needs me? The guy who joined the league, you know, drunk at homecoming and has his draft tomorrow and has never played IDP before. That guy needs help. You know, where does he get that help? You know, a, a 40 year grizzled IDP veteran. He's going to be talking jargon you've never heard. So we got to reduce that down to something simple. And then we just got to feed it to the masses and then let it grow from there. So. Yeah, break it down and then build it back up and build it up the way that is. Makes uh, sense. You know? may, exactly. 
And I mean, it sounds simple. We, we, this sounds, but that's the, I mean, that's the crazy thing is you asked us early on how long we've been playing IDP. And this is realistically probably my 25th year of playing fantasy football and my first year of doing anything more than just dabbling. You know, you accidentally get in an IDP league when you sign up, you're like, shit, I didn't realize that. All right, I need three defense, I need one defensive lineman and one linebacker. And you don't take any because you realize in the middle of the season, you can just plug and play because there's no mm-hmm. real strategy to not, you know, all you need is somebody yeah. with an LB or DL1. Jorge, on the other hand, has played for a lot longer. I listen to what he has to say. And then I am like a, I don't want to call it a sponge with this. You are a sponge. Let's let's be yeah. real. Okay. You know I'm a I'm a sponge that doesn't soak up a bunch of bullshit scoring in a bunch of bullshit situations. Sorry uh, for the language and all, but that's fine. I cuss all the time. It's you have it has to make sense to me, and and I I realize. And Mike's going to say IDP one two three is the single only best thing ever. I don't know yet. But I'm going to say I like where it's going and I like the sounds of it. It makes it easier for me when I have to explain why something is the way it is and I have a a basis, something structured. I like yeah. structure. I like structure yeah. a lot. That's, that's a good point. And to piggyback off that, sorry for interrupting. Um, as content creators, it's a lot easier for me to reference something that's more popular than to say – Oh well, using Timmy's home league scoring setting, <laughs> right? Exactly. Like, no, no, like not everybody's going to know t- Timmy's homepage scoring settings. Kudos to you for making your scoring settings at least public. People have to pay behind paywalls and stuff to find out what the scoring settings are for some places. It's 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 crazy. It it, it we need something. We need a foundation. It what just makes do, sense. What you do with the foundation from there, that's your business. But having some foundation to start off with, I think, is very important. And I, you know, I don't like to be, you know, I'm, you know, I kind of just going on a tangent right now. We're kind of just the whole show's gone completely sideways, <laughs> IDP Army. But, you know, I'm, I don't like necessarily having to be like viewed as like the bad guy because I feel like a lot of people take what I say about scoring offensively, like I'm saying something against them. I'm not. Like I'm not against your customized scoring league. I'm not against true positions. I am not against people playing on MFL. But what I do understand and know is that most people like things simple. Most people don't want four or five or six barriers of entry. I don't want to learn five new positions and each position has its own unique scoring rubric. That doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Show me where they do that on offense. It doesn't happen. Show me where an analyst is talking about premium scoring as the norm. It's not a thing. So why? Is it not just normalized? Why is it stigmatized to push for that to not be normal in IDP? I don't get it. So we are where we are. I, you know, I pay homage to the guys who came here before me, but I also, you know, I hate to say it, but the, it, you know, you set this table, you know, and it's, it's kind of a mess and it just needs help. And I'm trying to help it. I want to help it. And I think IDP scoring one, two, three, you know, go check out the episode. You guys have read the article. It's just pragmatic. It just makes sense. Um, it's it, it scales with PPR scoring, which is what's most important. Most people play PPR and it makes all three positions relevant. Defensive line, you know, they can reach the same scoring ceiling as offensive players. Linebackers can and DBs can all three. So, yeah, 
that's why we're talking about IB one two three scoring, and everybody who listens to the IDP Army podcast knows that because they've been listening to it for a while. Um, and impact players are part of that. I mean, part of that too is the semantics around IDPs. We don't even all agree on what the scoring plays are, you know, or how they're weighted. So I'm kind of like trying to build vocabulary around it too. Like, okay, we sacks and tackles. Okay, that's great. But what are these other plays called? Like, what do we group these other things that players do? I call them impact plays because they make the most impact on the field. They should count for the most points on your IDP team, too, because they're the most impactful plays. They move the line of scrimmage backwards or keep it from moving forwards. All tackles mean that the line of scrimmage has moved forward. The offense has progressed. That should be the lowest scoring thing. That makes sense to me. Everything else, if it's going backwards, it should be more. If it stops it from going forwards, if it's neutral, it should be more than whatever it was letting it go forward. And then the quarterback hits, that's really just to give points for pressures because, I mean – Pressures are a weird thing to track, but a quarterback hits a quarterback hit. You at least got there and made some sort of disruption. Give it one point, same as a court, you know, as a, as an assist. We don't know the true merit of it on that given play, but it's worth counting. Make it real low, and that's a way to you know give people pressure. I call them pressure points. Um, so I'm I don't know. I'm just I'm just going crazy. If it catches on, awesome. Like I've said since the beginning, I'm just the market has decided is deciding. Um, a lot of people play in IDP one, two, three leagues. And that brings us to our third guy, IDP one, two, three. Let's talk about Aaron Donald. Everybody loves Aaron Donald. Uh, he's probably going to be the actual defensive player of the year. Played 16 games again this year. Um, one thing to note about his season this year, number six in tackles for loss. He's usually up there in the top. The last two years he's been uh, the top. He's averaged about 20 through his career. Only 14 this year. Um Note uh, a couple of things I want to note quickly on Aaron Donald. 14 tackles for loss. He's amazing. He's great. We all pay homage, right? Mm-hmm. In the same breath, Max Crosby, quote unquote, sucks. 14 tackles for loss. In the same breath, JJ Watt is old and busted. Played 16 games, 14 tackles for loss. Neither of them will be defensive player of the year, but I just wanted to point that out while I had this up here. Guys, what do you think about Aaron Donald? 29 defensive tackle one. And do you guys think he's going to keep up this kind of production? What, two, three more years? Nate, I'll let you take that one. I mean, it's hard to put Pat, you know, something past. To ever doubt a man that can bench press close to 600 pounds is probably a a bad first step to take. You know, it's not a great bet to take. And, and, you know, amongst defensive linemen, like you were saying, he's he's led the league in tackles for a loss three years in a row of – true defensive lineman, not the edge linebacker hybrid. And he consistently gets back there. You At some point, you have to think the double, triple, quadruple teams that he faces on a year-in, year-out basis will eventually take its toll. He's got three more years on that contract there. So I don't envision a situation where, me personally, I don't see how they're going to build that defense around Aaron Donald any stronger than where they're at right now. That's my concern is the Rams have not been uh, – I'd say forward thinking with trying to build a defense around anything short of that. I mean, shit, they don't even know what they're going to no. do with Jared Goff. They, don't they have not been forward thinking at all. They've- well, the, I disagree. I, I think they have been forward thinking. I just don't agree with their forward thinking. They're investing on their defensive backs. You have guys like Troy okay. Hill becoming, you okay. know, they're, they're taking away the back end and letting, hopefully, letting Aaron Donald that. take advantage of these matchups. The only problem is, look, how old is he? He's he's only like twenty eight. He's not as old yeah. as you think. You think yep. he's real twenty nine. Yeah, but 29. If, if they keep on this trajectory where they're trying to take away everything, you know, in the intermediate range and then in the back end, like eventually he's going to start losing these one on one matchups. And then who do you have on the, the edges? other? 
you you notice though these other guys win. You saw I don't know Leonard Floyd. You Leonard guys Floyd saw him pop this year. He yeah. popped this year, like mm-hmm. legit popped. That's because he was playing next to Aaron Donald. Look at Dante Fowler last year. He popped big time. I mean, total mirage. I mean, dude was DOA all season for me. That was two my two biggest misses of this last year was uh, Aaron Don or not Aaron Donald, Dante Fowler and Robert Quinn. Man, Dante Fowler, they both kind of oh. came into the season yeah. nicked up, but. Dante Fowler, I, oh. I should have been a little bit more cautious because I hadn't seen. I told myself Grady Jarrett is ninety percent of Aaron Donald, which I'm sure everyone out there is like Jordan's an idiot, which you probably are right because I was wrong. He's not ninety percent of Aaron Donald, um, and I don't think Dante Fowler was even forty percent of what he was last year. So, and Robert but, Quinn, that was such a bad, oh, yeah, God. tough year oh. for him. Yeah. He was hurt too, though. There's the thing. Both those guys. Ankle and knee. Both of them were hurt coming into the season. So, I mean, I'm going to bring that up because I rode hard for him coming into the season. I'm going to take my outs, but it was a real thing. And I, you know, I'm, they're going to be dirt cheap this next year. And if you do go zero DL, these are the kind of guys you want to pick up. Guys who were hot two, three years ago, sunk down this year. I mean, look at Leonard Williams, who we're going to get to in just a second. But I don't really want to spend a lot of time talking about Aaron Donald. I mean, people are like, oh, he's so underrated, but he gets talked about ad nauseum everywhere. People just love him. So, any final thoughts before we move to another guy who I really am looking forward to talking to or about? No. No, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on down the list. Jason Pierre, Paul, ladies and gentlemen, coming in at number four. I got to toot my horn here on this one. Coming in the season on our um, – oh, what was it? Our studs and uh, – our I don't know. Our, what was it? One of our shows where it was uh, we were against the ADP. Anyway, in Fantasy Pros, he was like defensive line player 29 coming into this season. And I was just like, yo, that is a that's way whack. I was like, that's not right. He was like in my top 15 pretty heavily. And I was like, this is nuts because on a game per game basis last year, he was doing he did exactly he scored like two points less than Miles Garrett, who also played 10 games last year. And I was like, everybody's got Miles Garrett in the top three, and Jason Pierre DeHall down here at number 10 or 30. So I, you know, kind of said. Watch out for Jason Pierre-Paul. He could have a good season. Wasn't his best season necessarily in the sack department, but he did have a career year in a couple of things. Um, Let me pull up this little graphic I have here. Where's my man JPP at? Uh, 21 total impact plays. His 11th season in the NFL. Four forced fumbles, which was a career year for him. And that's saying something because he's been in the league for a while. Two interceptions. That was another career best for him. Uh, nine and a half sacks didn't even get 10 sacks and that's something i really want to i mean we're going all off the rails i want to point this out you don't have to have 10 sacks to be a top defensive line player quickly i'm going to come right back to this but let's look at this list uh jason pierre paul nine and a half sacks deforest buckner five he only had nine sacks leonard williams right below him i think he had 11 miles garrett i believe had 10 montez sweat eight only had uh nine sacks jj watt only had four sacks he was a top 10 defensive lineman harold landry only had five sacks Brian Burns only had a handful of sacks. You don't have to be a sack master in IDP one two three scoring to do two things: one, be good, and two, get points. Look at these points: three hundred seven, two thirty three, two twenty five. Um. So anyway, back to it. Impact plays matter. How did he get here? He had twenty one impact plays. Like I said, the four force fumbles. He had seven tackles for loss. Not even a huge tackle for loss guy this season. But um, you saw what he did this last week against Aaron Rodgers. I love me some JPP. And another quick aside here, 31 years old this year. We were just talking about Aaron Donald. He's two years older than Aaron Donald, finished with like, what was that, a point or two less than Aaron Donald here? Half a point less than Aaron Donald, basically. A point less than Aaron Donald. Um, J.J. Watt is younger than him. So we, in our heads, we have this thing where it's like, oh, this guy's old, he's busted. Cameron Jordan's going to be one of those guys. Carlos Dunlop's going to be like, these older IDP assets 
can produce top tier seasons. Jason Pierre-Paul, you know, being the nominal, you know, best man to, 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 you know, embody that this season. But what do you guys think about him next year? Um, and what do you think about him going to win that Super Bowl, with Tom Brady? It is amazing to think that this is this guy was on the Giants Super Bowl victories back in the in the two thousands. Like, and you look at where he's playing now. You know, after the fireworks injury, after all the years he's been in the league, this guy is still turning it up. He, you know, he was playing great towards the back end of the season last year. Like you just said, he was terrorizing Aaron Rodgers this year. The pressures, the pressures is what really amazes me that he's still able to draw those pressures. But that he's being said. Player. He's very good, but that being said, that's a testament to Tampa's defensive line as a whole. Like you had mentioned, and Dominican Sue's there. He's playing good. He's drawing away attention. He um, again, we, and we go back again to the edge rusher position. He qualifies as an edge rusher. You know, we take you know the top twelve scoring defensive linemen in total points, and you rearrange them by fantasy points per game. He's number six. Like. However you slice it, whether it's the fantasy points per game, which tells you the consistency of how well that player is performing, or the total points, which is their total output, either however you slice it, he played lights out this past year. Um, it, I don't know if this is something that you can expect year in and year out, but uh, chances are with Jason Pierre-Paul, I know you said you were kind of high on him. In one league, I found him on the waiver wire, and I'm like, you know what, screw it. Let me just see what happens. And Dude. you know what? It paid off. I was telling that story. I uh, I did a short show uh, on Dynasty Nerds YouTube channel covering the same thing: top twelve linebackers or the defensive line players. And I mentioned that I'm in a hundred dollar buy in league. I was in the, over the summer. One of my buddies dropped Jason Pierre-Paul, and my other buddy picked him up. He picked up a top three positional player on the waiver wire. Why? Because he's an old IDP player. IDP Army, I beg of you, do not be that guy in your league. I'm not, I don't want that for you. Don't do that. Okay. <laughs> He's old. Just ride him into the sunset. He's elite. Okay. I'm talking about JJ Watt right now. This is a JJ Watt tweet. <laughs> He's the Bobby Wagner of line, defensive linemen. Yeah. And again, he's top three. I can't stress this enough, and he does not have double-digit sacks, okay? Mm -hmm. Get this binary bullshit out of your mind where everything is sacks and tackles. There's so much more going on on defense that can be scored and weighted to make this matter. And you know what Jason Pierre-Paul did this year because he had big plays. He had a couple yeah. interceptions, you yeah. know? So it should be four <laughs> years in a row for him. If you look back, I mean, last year, per uh, game yeah. basis, that'd yeah. be four straight years of 220 IDP 1-2-3 point scoring, um, which would have put him in that, you know, this – LB1, DL1, uh, hybrid, range, uh, top 10, actually, for each one of those four years. And I promise you, none of those years he was drafted anywhere close even, year over year. So, yeah. I mean, and is. to our previous conversation, it speaks to the fact that he was on waivers in my league, speaks yeah. to the fact that IDP content creators are letting people down. So, that, talking right, about you next know what year, I mean? too. What about so, Shaq Barrett? Oh, well, we're gonna get we're gonna Jack Barrett's on this list too, so we'll slide on down to him in a second. But I mean, the impending free agency of Shaq Barrett potential. What if I, two scenarios? I'm, I'm still taking the talent. I mean, I think JPP is good for another nine sacks. Um, and I think the auxiliary stats, the impact plays will be there still. So maybe there'll be more, maybe there'll be a couple less, but I don't think he's gonna necessarily be too overly hurt because Shaq Barrett's not there. Because I mean, he's a guy he's been successful long before Shaq Barrett was on the team. Sure. So 
All right. All right. That's my kind of take I do, I do disagree with you on uh, Cameron Jordan. I know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, Cameron Jordan still got, I'm off. I don't really like him either. Um, I'm off that. I'm I'm off off that I don't like him. No, I'm, I'm not a Saints fan. I, I, I pr- appreciate Cameron Jordan as a person. Um, he actually, I tweeted something about him last April and he DM'd me. Um, no kidding. I, I fucked it up. And he was like, hey, this is wrong. And I was like, oh shit, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, he didn't respond after that, but he looked at it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I'm just saying, buy the dip. I mean, you know, stonks, that's the big, big theme of the week. Buy the dip. These old guys, yeah, he's coming off a bad season. I'm not saying pay for Cameron Jordan. Don't pay for Cameron Jordan. That's when some jack wagon drops him like the jack wagon dropped Jason Pierre Paul. That's where you strike. Right. That's how you win your league. If they buy value, that, value, value. Yep. All right, guys. We are sluggish tonight. So let's let's I'm gonna jump through these next two guys. DeForest Buckner comes in at number five, played 15 games, his first season with the Indianapolis Colts, fifth year in the league, 219 IDP one to three points, 17 impact plays. Um, you know, I he was one of my guys coming into last season. I've made been known, I've been said on this show I would trade DeForest Buckner straight across. Uh, I would trade Aaron Donald straight across for DeForest Buckner. Why would I do that? He's three or four years younger than him, I believe. He's, well, he's only two years younger than him. But the tackle floor is the big difference between these two. Aaron Donald puts up about 40, 45 tackles a year. That's not a very safe floor for a defensive line player. So you really need those sacks to come through. Aaron Donald is usually good for about 10 sacks, but sacks come in bunches. He had four in one game this year, and he had like 10 all season. And, you know, they were against Alex Smith. I also want to note that a a quarter of his sacks, or third of them, came against Alex Smith, a shell-shocked Alex Smith. So when you give him that Defensive Player of the Year award, remember that, whoever gives it to him. Okay? Anyway, back on my bullshit. Uh, but he had nine and a half, nine and a half sacks of his first season with the Colts. That's awesome. But he really, his, his tackle threshold's a lot higher. He puts up around 60, 65 a season. That's really, really consistent production from the defensive line spot. He's not a huge, huge impact player, but I mean, again, what I say, 17, that's not, that's not bad, you know? And if you can get him as a, and you could get him this year late in drafts because he's defensive tackle and he's finished in top five. What do you guys think about him going forward? Um, he's been worth a first round pick to, to two different teams now. I think he's a bit underrated, but share your thoughts. Do, do the Colts still have uh, excellent linebackers that can, you know, get after the passer? He's going to be fine. Amen. Yeah, his two of his uh, worst weeks the entire season were when uh, Darius Leonard really wasn't even on the field. So, uh, is there a correlation between the two? It's hard to say there there shouldn't be or there can't be. You know, just presence. That's a game theory thing that I'm going to talk about a lot more this this season. Is is the the unit. So we're talking about these guys right now. Um, bring it up. DeForest Buckner was a top 12 guy. Uh, uh, Darius Leonard was a top 12 guy. Kari Willis was like a top 25 guy. But these guys on good defenses all end up in the top. Uh, we have Shaq Barrett on this list. Devin White was a top guy. Um, Jason Pierre-Paul was a top guy. Disruptive defenses create turnover opportunities, which allow their teammates to make impact plays. So there is something to that. Justin Houston's success begats DeForest Buckner's success, which begats Darius Leonard's success. An example of that, a guy we're going to talk about here in a little bit, Montez Sweat, he had six batted passes this season, right? Three of those directly led to interceptions. One of them was by Deron Payne. One of them was himself, which he took back into the end zone for a touchdown. And another one was to John Bostic. Um, 
success begets success on defense on defenses. So I'm I'm a big proponent of I like stacking defensive players on the same teams. Um, people are like, oh, they won't get the same tackle. I could give up about a tackle. All right, get out of here with that. There's enough to go around. If he's gonna get a tackle, he'll get a tackle. I'm here for the other stuff. Um, but love me some DeForest Buckner. Let's keep it moving. Uh, let's go. Leonard Williams, this was a shocker. Um, Sixth season, New York Jets, 16 games played, 219 IDP, one to three points, 16 impact plays. This guy had 11 sacks this season after having, I believe, only like 14 is other six years in the league or something like that. Um, are we calling BS on this? Are we calling smoke? Or how, how do you guys feel about this? I'm, I, I'm, I think it could be a chance for him to rejuvenate his career, but I don't have an overly strong take because I was so off of Leonard Williams before this year. Uh, I really need to do a little bit more research before I super duper comment, but 14 tackles for loss is big 11 and a half sacks. I mean, that's big. And he had 30 quarterback hits. I mean, that's, that's real. I want to say it was week number five or six when it felt like every week that I was doing my waiver wire articles over at fantasy and frames as that Leonard Williams name, kept creeping up into a widely under uh, rostered and overly productive, I'd say numbers as a whole. And I think it was week, it was week 17. If you put the bow on the season, I'm not trying to take that one week and eliminate the entire season, but a three sack uh, week 17 does skew the overall numbers a little bit. He's still probably in the top 20, but it does Add a little bit. No, it doesn't. Remember you're this. Right. When you're going into next year's draft and you see his totals at the end of the season, remember that three sack game in week 17 when nobody really cares to play is probably going to inflate his value just a bit. Jorge? Not to mention, you look at the fantasy points scored, like he, he's got some single digit performances in there, and they're, they're a little bit more than I feel comfortable with. Look, I think he was a product of volume and opportunity. That Giants offense was not on the field that often. Therefore, he was on the field. Therefore, by association, the more you're on the field, the more you're able to make plays. If I believe he's a free agent this year. If he goes somewhere on a good offense, I don't think you're going to see the same production that you saw here in New York uh, because I don't think uh, the, the opportunity is going to be there. It really depends where he goes. If he goes to another bad team, then sure. Yeah, I could potentially see that, but – yeah. Uh, again, he, he, the, the big boomer bus play, um, I'm not on the bandwagon for this year. He's just a guy for me. But again, the 30 quarterback hits really is kind of catching my eye here. Um, and 14 tackles for loss. That's the same number as defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald. So, <laughs> I mean, who am I to say that, that doesn't really matter? Um don't watch. Don't read the box score. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it's all about advanced metrics that no one can see. They're unchartable. All right. Um, I'm going to do a quick little read thing here. Before we move on, remind you guys, thumbs up, like, subscribe to the channel. Appreciate you. IDP content, Dynasty content. Um, support the IDP Army via Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the IDP Army, or you can donate directly through Anchor. Appreciate that. I got some cool stuff coming for the Patreons coming up soon, like some really cool stuff I've been working on. But uh, if you want to find out about that, you know where I be. Let's move on to number seven, Miles Garrett's fourth season with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, had more points this season than Leonard Williams. Uh, 14 games played, 215, uh, or 200, oh, whoa, whoa, 215 for IDP 1, 2, 3. 18 impact plays, asterisk that for a second. 12 sacks, four forced fumbles, 10 tackles for loss. Um, 
as I've been doing some research on Miles Garrett, who is we all love and adore, I, I'm seeing I'm always looking for reasons to ding guys everybody likes because, I mean, that's the easiest way to, to find your holes. You know, I mean, it's OK. Are we are we looking at this the right way or not? What I found when I've looked at Miles Garrett is he's not a super duper impact player. Um, he's 18, 20. That's good. That's not elite. I mean, again, T.J. Watt had 33. Um, same number of years in the league. That concerns me. The other thing that I've noticed about Miles Garrett is his sack or his tackle numbers are pretty low. I brought this up on the Dynasty Nerd Show the other day. You know, when you get up to a Joey Bosa or Daniil Hunter type player, one of the things you like about them, even though they aren't really huge disruptors, they don't get a lot of forced fumbles and pass deflections between the two of them. They do get a boatload of tackles for loss and they get a boatload of tackles. They're usually floating up around 65, 70 total tackles for a defensive line player. That's what that's awesome. Uh, Looking at Miles Garrett here, and his, this is his most career tackles ever, 48. He's 30, 29, 44, 31. The floor is a lot lower for Miles Garrett than I think people want to admit, and I think the ceiling is not as high as we want to admit. That being said, he's still Miles Garrett. I don't think we've seen his ceiling yet. Um, we've probably seen what his floor looks like, and his floor has still put him in the conversation as a top three guy on everybody's list. But um, – Another thing about Miles Garrett that I hate to say it, hate to see it, he's only played one 16-game season, nine games, uh, 11 games his rookie year, 10 last year, 14 this year. Um, this year I know it was COVID, so that's maybe extenuating circumstances, but the points are the points of the points, and they weren't there those two weeks. So what are your guys' thoughts on Miles Garrett, defensive lineman one? He is a tra- yeah, Yes, he is a traditionalist defensive lineman one. I'd Pure. rather – if you're an elitist, an elitist. I would rather draft a linebacker three or four who could fit the bill as a defensive lineman one than waste a draft pick on Miles Garrett. Boom. Okay. All right. I, I'd have to say you can that's the which side of the injury bug are you looking on? Is do you think that the 14 games missed or 13 games missed is a uh I would say a trend? Or is that something that you can kind of, oh, maybe the sky's the limit if? That's a huge if, though. And that's my concern is I don't like the ifs. And I realize that it was an injury for some of those games missed. That was, well, it was a head injury that he, uh, he, well, I have he a, didn't suffer. He gave. <laughs> he I, have a, I have a thought experiment. It was a, it, yeah, it was a head injury to uh, Mason Rudolph is right. what. Is Mason Rudolph had a head injury before he got in that game. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I have a thought. Let's have a, let's have, let's have fun. Um, impact plays. I got I got my database pulled up right here. Okay. Uh, Patreons, you'll know what that is soon. Uh, Darius Leonard. These are his impact plays the last three years: 22, 27, 36. That's what you want from a top guy. Jamal Adams impact plays the last three years: 25, 33, 32. That's what I want. Miles Garrett impact plays career: 18, 14, 22, 12. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, something something about investing an early pick as there's your a, deal one kind of kind of does not sound, sound right. There's a long discussion to be had there where I'll be called a fool, but I'll be telling my people to pass on some Miles Garrett this year at cost. Um, now, that being said, if you're in a league that doesn't have edge rushers or doesn't have dual eligibility, that then, then that's, where, that, that's where you pay up. For let's, somebody let's, like this. Same conversation. Nick Bosa, rookie last year, 22 impact plays. As a rookie, Nick Bosa 
had the same ceiling and impact plays as Miles Garrett's best year. And again, this is where having standards, having things we can all look at and say, oh, wow, like this is what he looked like compared to that is so important because with no context, I wouldn't even think my default would just be Miles Garrett. Oh, he's so amazing. But as I look into him more and more and more, and as I start in my head, I have player archetypes and I have tags. I have like little tags in my head. I like, I label guys, this guy, or is this kind of player? I call them bread and butter linebackers. I have disruptors. I have, you know, tackle monsters, sack savages. Like I kind of categorize these guys in my head. And when I think of Miles Garrett, he's not, you know, I, the, the tags are not as many and as positive as some other guys. Let's put it that way. Um, that are generally in that upper echelon kind of conversation as an IDP player. So again, it's something that, you know, I'm sure. I'll probably look like an idiot saying it, but just take TJ Watt instead if you can. And if you have to pass on Miles Garrett, take somebody like this, number eight on the list. Any, any closing thoughts on Miles Garrett before we move to Montez Sweat? Somebody that I am so bullish on. It's unreal. Nope. Let me ask you. I'll give you guys a question. It's not even a statement, more so. You Do can it. get 16 full games. You know, you're getting 16 games out of Joey Bosa or Miles Garrett. Who do you take? I'm taking Joey Bosa. I'm taking Joey Bosa if Derwin James is healthy. Because at least I know Derwin James will crowd the line of scrimmage. We'll get oh, closer to the no, box. No, we'll I'm free taking the answer. I, I, I don't like it if, if Derwin James, because he hasn't been the model of consistency. I don't see anybody, let me put it another way, opposite of Joey Bosa that's, that can really draw attention. People are going to talk about Jared Tillery and how he had like an okay, like, no. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a couple of games, depending on what you're looking at. Um, I think I think one on one matchups. I think Garrett has it over Bosa. Uh, I'm gonna take Garrett over Bosa. 16 games played. I'm I'm with Jorge here. It's I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Garrett. I think he just you know. I'm looking here at the impact plays again. That's what I'm always looking at is the auxiliary stats because Joey Bosa. I mean his 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 uh, ceiling and t- sacks for a season. I think is 11 and a half. So I mean again, I always you know what's his known ceiling? 70 and 11. Okay, that's pretty good. Okay, so what's Miles um, Garrett's you know ceiling? We've seen him get like what 12, 14 sacks. I think I got it right here. I don't know why I'm saying I think 13 and a half in 16 games. So we already know his ceiling in the sack department is higher. Um, and then we're I'm assuming we haven't seen his best season. Whereas I have legitimate concerns that we may have seen some of Joey Bosa's best work. Um, maybe in, not, but in, I, you know, and I like two, what I, go ahead, go ahead. I was, no, I was I'm kind of rambling and in his two 16 game seasons, he's put up 11 and a half and a 12 and a half. So I think that's kind of the basis. I, what do you say? 12. I think 12 sacks is probably your, I don't want to call it a ceiling, but I'm going to call it a ceiling. And if you use, you know, I hate to prorate, Numbers. That's the worst thing that I get in trouble doing. I'm like, well, look, you know, you know, if he had played the entire season, he would have put up the second most points. Well, yeah, if he had the same that like Corey and I were talking about that three sack game, the same thing I'm busting Leonard Williams for. I'm giving credit to Joey Bosa. Probably not fair. Yeah, it's you know, and it's an IDP players. It's it's a tough discussion because it's easy to just have kind of a um, just a locked and loaded reply. And, you know, and nobody really knows if you're right or wrong in in many regards, you know, and it, yeah, I try, you know, it's, it's important to take a thoughtful approach. And I, I love that question, Garrett or Joey Bosa, 
And honestly, it's I'm going to probably be wrestling with that for a while now because I'm kind of annoyed that I don't have a stronger take for one or the other because I started Bosa and then I changed to Garrett and that upset me. <laughs> so I need to work on me. And that's going to be a big part of that. Um, but great question there. Let's get to number eight. Guy said I love, talked about briefly earlier. Montez Sweat, second season Washington football team, played 16 games, 208.5 points. 22 impact plays. Oh, look, same ceiling as uh, Miles Garrett has in impact plays. Nine sacks, 12 tackles for loss, six pass deflections, which I said earlier, three of them directly led to interceptions. One of them was his own touchdown interception. Um, scored more points than Chase Young. If you look at if you look at Montez Sweat's two second year this year, and you look at Joy Bosa's rookie year, they're almost identical. Um, and it's not talked about enough. I think, you know, they're a little different in how they got there. Um, definitely more pass deflections on Montez Sweat's part, but that's something I like. Like, I like that he does that. You know, I like that there are points available in other spots. Um, what do you guys think about Montez Sweat? And, here, I mean, we're just going we're going ham tonight. What do you think about Montez Sweat versus Chase Young in IDP as far as value, upside, who do you want, um, and why? So we were we were actually just talking about this before we hopped on with you, as far as what are our thoughts here with Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Better value, Montez Sweat. Uh, you know, as long as Chase Young's there applying pressures, the offensive linemen are going to be keying on him left and right. What you get from Montez Sweat is not so much just, you know, yeah, he had nine sacks and 12 tackles for a loss, and I, I get it, the impact plays. But what really um, excites me about Montez Sweat is going back to the passes defense. Like this guy, he can do it all over. He's, again, one of those Swiss Army knives that if he's not getting you the fantasy points from one statistical category, he's going to compensate in another if if he has that person on the other side drawing attention away from him. Uh, if you know Chase Young wasn't on Washington, I'd be a little bit concerned. That being said, this is his, this was his second year. They moved uh, Washington. They moved up last year or the year before in the draft to get him as a first round pick. They obviously saw the talent there. Granted, different coaching regimes, but still, um, he's a very talented player. He was graded as a first round pick coming out of college. Uh, this is one of those situations where you know what? It's better to really go for the value of Montez Sweat. You're really taking a gamble, to, especially like in dynasty leagues. Like for me, it would be easier to draft him in a dynasty league than it would be in a redraft league. Uh, Cause redraft, I want the immediate returns. Montez sweat. I, I know for, I, I have a feeling I shouldn't say I know for a fact. I have a feeling in the next couple of years, you're going to see his play escalate even higher as chase young's escalates higher. As far as am I expecting the same level of production, top eight fantasy point production next year? I'm not so sure about that. It really, it's really Chase Young dependent for me. Fair, yeah. I, I find, I think that again, I, I'm going to go with the first thing you said, Jorge. I'm going to see that two round. I'm making these numbers up. I have no clue how many round difference they're going to go between at the end of the day. But I think that we all can agree. I'm assuming we all can agree that when the first uh, rankings come out for next year or the first draft is had during real season. Chase Young's going to go ahead of Montez Sweat 99 out of 100 drafts. Maybe the only one that he doesn't is one that, like you maybe mentioned, I, I don't even think that, I don't know. I, I can't think of a situation. Name value alone is going to inflate 
Chase Young so much more than Montez Sweat. Well, and it's, you know, there's, there's a couple elements to that too. You know, we've seen two years of Montez Sweat. So it's like, well, we see, you know, we already, we get, so we need, you know, we need that dopamine hit, you know, we need the likes, you know, I need, I need more, you know, Chase Young, give it to me. So where's there's less, we know there's more mystery, more intrigue to Chase Young. So yeah, you're probably right. I'm going to take the value, um, like you said, and take Montez Sweat. Although I'm going to be completely honest, I'm going to be hammering home to the IDP Army all offseason to get Montez Sweat. Uh, so I'm going to try to drive that stock up, pump and dump. <laughs> Interesting way of uh, putting that. Yeah, no. Actually, yeah. That's cool. Now, is that is that your answer for both redraft and dynasty or just dynasty? That's both. I mean, they're only a year apart age-wise, you know, so. No. Okay, yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's, I'm taking my, I'm, I'm going to take the value of Montez Sweat every time I'd like, I mean, I'm have no problem having both of them. I mean, if there's a point in the draft where I'm like, shit, I'm going to take Chase Young mm-hmm. and around goes around, I'm going to take Montez Sweat. I mean, I don't have a problem with that at all. You can never have too many, you can never have too many good players on your team. I, so something else I don't understand in IDP is like why guys get all high and mighty about digging through the garbage for some guy who's going to be relevant for a day. Like, why don't you just draft awesome players and play them every week and like have fun? Like, like why do we have to stream a third round defensive tackle? I don't want to do that. I, I just, think I just there's want to go back to get a bunch of sacks and I want to feel something. Like, <laughs> I think there's a I think there's a, a misunderstanding with IDP. I think that the the average player, even to the quasi experience, feels that there's turnover. Every week at linebacker, oh, no, look, I'll just get another linebacker. He'll fill in. That Look, every week you can find one. You're correct. There's one every week. There's Thank you. One. And there's 12 guys. There's 12 team. guys, and there's 36 linebackers you're playing, and there's bye weeks. And, and every now and then you can't get, yes, you look at any position, Cameron Curls of the world. Don't They're on one guy's on. team. They're one guy gets Cameron Curl. What yes. happens to the other 11 guys who are so fucking smart streaming every position? Yeah, they're taking Mike Hilton after the first five weeks, and then he turned. Yeah, I know. It's the thing that bothers me. I feel I hear a lot of IDP people like, oh, I just stream this position, stream ups. I'm like, why? Why are you? That's so much roster management. Like, ugh, anxiety. Like, I want plug in, I want set and forget guys. I want, mm-hmm. you know, TJ Watt, Jamal, Jamal Adams, Blake Martinez. I don't want to fuck with that shit. I don't want to dig through the trash for 20 points. Okay. Why? Why? I'm in 16, 17, 18, 19 league. I want to know, oh yeah, I'm going to go blow the brakes off that guy. Oh yeah, I'm going to blow the brakes. I don't be like, oh my gosh, I got to go. I hope Daniel Sorensen's out there still. Oh God, God, I got me a piece of Juan Thornhill this week. I don't want to live that life. And you shouldn't either. You should want better things for yourself and your friends in your league. Okay. What better is, things? That epitome, the epitome of every waiver wire article is how do I force feed these four shitty names and two good ones and just not regurgitate the same ones? It's every week. Every week it could be the same ones. It could be for the first five weeks. Hey, Jeremy Chen, who mm-hmm. I hyped way before, if you had listened and followed, you'd have had him. You wouldn't have to come in week six to realize, wow, he's really that good. Or middle of the season. X, Y, and Z. Robert Spillane, like you talked about earlier. It, uh. And people don't value what they have, too. I'll reference that league we were in. You guys saw that guy drop uh, Eric Wilson like three weeks into this, four weeks mm-hmm. into the season. I picked his ass up, rode into a championship. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? 
Why? Why would you drop a top five linebacker on his bye week? Because I could stream the position. <laughs> don't 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 do that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, all right, let's move to JJY, the old man himself. This is actually going to be a really fun one because, again, like I said, um, only what he have four sacks this season, I believe. Five sacks for JJ Watt. He was double teamed a boatload. 26 impact plays. That's again, that's why I contextualize 26 impact plays, four sacks. Oh, JJ Watt had a terrible season. He's the worst. Blah, blah, blah. He's losing a step. No, we had 26 impact plays. He had a he had 14 tackles for loss, same as you're going to give the defensive player of the year. Um, he had a boatload of pass deflections, seven. He has a bunch every year. He had a touchdown, he had an interception. Um, don't don't played 16 games, wasn't hurt a single snap. I mean, I'm I'm yelling. I apologize. There's no need for that. But I'm just worked up because JJ Watt was another guy coming to the season. Everybody's like, oh, JJ Watt, he's always hurt. Just forget it. I mean, it's just like it's too, it's reductive. We can't be so reductive in IDP. We have to actually give people good advice. He finished top 10. You should have seen it coming. He's JJ Watt. It's not that hard. Taking it from a man, Ray GQ. Football doesn't have to be that hard. Draft the good players, they're going to score points. Um, only five sacks, still a major disruptor, finishing the top 10. What do you guys got to tell me about TJ Watt or JJ Watt, who is a year younger than Jason Pierre Paul? You know, and you know, you said it the injury history is going to scare off a lot of people. Uh, that just goes, that just goes with the territory that most people are, are looking at mainstream names and they're like, oh, I remember he uh, tore his elbow ligaments or oh, he tore his ACL. He hasn't played a full 16 like you. We're alluding to that's going to scare a lot of people off, and a lot of people are going to look past the are not going to look at the numbers and look at the disruptions and the impact plays like you're talking about. He had a really, really good year this year. Has that been consistently the case the past few seasons versus early on in his career? I don't have the numbers in front of me. I would like to say no, just because you know the lack of a you know, what's the best availability? Availability. He bet he set the bar so incredibly high his first few seasons. It's it's almost nauseating to look at the numbers that he did. I ran some of his numbers through my impact play system last week. Let me see if I can pull up. He had, I I mean, like this year the leader in impact plays was like thirty six, and he and Levante David had a couple of seasons that I think pushed up to fifty. I mean, it was just ungodly numbers they're putting up. I don't have it right from me. I apologize, but thirty nine tackles for loss. Let's put. That's an impact play. He had 39 of those. That's more than the combined impact play leader this season. Okay. To contextualize JJ Watt, you were it's like your first line of cocaine. It's never, he was never going to be that good again. It was, it was too good. It was too amazing. The high was too great. And you're going to keep chasing it. And it's going to still be good, but it's never going to be as good as it was. And there's going to be bumps and bruises along the way. You know, it's just not going to work out every time. So the JJ Watt, he did pull off 16 games this year. I would love to see him. He's, I mean, Houston's falling apart. He's not going to stick around, let's be honest. Um, I would love to see him on the Steelers. Mike Tomlin is a defensive guy. He loves T.J. Watt. I have never felt more sure of anything than the fact that I'm sure T.J. Watt will die in the Steelers jersey because Mike Tomlin loves him that much. Um, and I would love to see him get the other one. He's already got the other brother there. Get the set. Go in that Super Bowl next year. I think they've got what it takes. Or he, the, you know, I mean, Sammy Watkins' contract is gone next year. We don't have to worry about that. Granted, T.J. Watt will never sign for the same amount of money that Sammy Watkins has signed. But, you know, there's one added little thing that I got to say that's not ever chronicled and you can't look at it as an impact player or anything else. Seth Walder does a great job of uh, highlighting over at ESPN 
double teams and uh, beat rates. And by that, I mean, you can't have impact plays if you're not shedding blockers and getting into position. He was double teamed the most of any defensive lineman in football, and he had a top 10 win rate, meaning he, he shut. And so he forgot skills it. are there. And, and ultimately, we talk about the few things that go into legitimate IDP scoring, all fantasy scoring, opportunity, skill set, situation, coaching. Those main things can kind of help guide what type of player you are. When the underlying skill set, is as dominant as he is. I hope he gives us another couple of years of healthy 16-game seasons, and it's on a team that uh, puts him in a great position to be successful. Amen. He was ninth this year in impact plays. If you count T.J. Watt as a traditional linebacker and you give him the sacks as impact plays, he had 48. If you take him away, he only had 33 if you call him a defensive line player. I'm having a kind of a internal struggle on how exactly to categorize the sack for the defensive line player versus the linebacker player. But so I, that's kind of what I'm working on right now. But um, Roquan Smith had 33. Xavier Howard had 32. Devin White had 30. Marlon Humphreys, 27. Levante David, 26. And then J.J. Watt had 26. So his name is up there with the elite of the elites this year on impact plays. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, if some, I mean, I, I got him. I drafted him as like my as like defensive line four in leagues this last year. People were so out on JJ Watt; it was unreal. Um, given the track record that he's got, it kind of doesn't make any sense. So, IDP Army, we are an hour and ten minutes in. I thank you so much for sticking around. If you're still here, uh, we're gonna finish off the last three guys on this list, and I'm gonna let these boys go. Uh, we have coming in at number ten, Harold Landry, third season with the Tennessee Titans. A guy that I think is really underrated in the NFL. 16 games played, 205 points, 16 impact plays. Not a super-duper high number, but pretty good. Uh, 59 combined tackles. He does play a boatload of snaps. Ten of those tackles for loss. Five pass deflections. He did have, I believe, one interception this year. That would be his whole 16. So his pie chart's not, like, super exciting. Let me see if I can pull it up here real quick. It'll probably be kind of a boring pie chart. Yeah, his pie chart, I'm going to open that up for you guys if you're on the youtube you should be his pie chart as you can see it's a little bit you know a little less of the the more destructive kind of forced fumbles and all that it's a little bit more binary but um what do you guys think about him going forward i referencing that chart you mentioned earlier i saw he's a little bit higher up on that on that uh x-axis than people would probably have thought mm-hmm. yeah he's i mean honestly i think underrated is probably the absolute word to put next to his name because he's you're gonna snag him so I think two to three rounds later than he ever should go. If you look back at 2019, he was 13th overall in the IDP one, two, three scoring. So he's been top 15 back to back years. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in a position to do so. I think Tennessee definitely being a defensive minded team for the most part and run heavy. I, I just, I, I don't know if there's a direct correlation between run heavy teams and IDP one, two, three scoring. Maybe I should look into that and see how that uh, trend. I know Jorge's going to get ready to beat me up and tell me it's a Ryan Tannehill pass heavy team, not a uh, run team. team. Damn right. I am. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag, hashtag team Tannehill. Team Tannehill. Amen, brother. Uh, look, I'm going to beat this into the ground. Hopefully tonight, dual eligibility, fantasy scoring, you know, he's a top 10 ranked defensive lineman. He's an LB4 when you talk about just looking at linebackers. You can get so much value with these dual eligibility linebackers in the later rounds of your draft that have DL1 upside. It is it is remarkable. Um, 
I wonder how much the loss of Jayon Brown, I know we're talking about two different type of schemes here right, in terms of player roles, but I wonder how much of that really helped uh, Harold Landry this season or potentially hurt him going forward. Um, you know, the tackle numbers are there, uh, but I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a little bit concerned about that, but he, I think I think Nate is right. He is. He does have value. He's, he has value. Yeah, People will point to the fact that he plays a lot of snaps, and I'm like, oh, it's just because he's playing the snaps. That's fine. But, I mean, like you just said, that's what we want, right? So why would we knock him for that? And then we look at these other guys who don't play a lot of snaps, and we say, oh, he doesn't play enough snaps. He's too efficient. Who, I mean, exactly. who do I want? Do I want the guy with the snaps, or do I want the super efficient guy? I mean, so quit, 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 you know, quit pissing on my head telling me it's raining. I mean, just tell me who's the good guy to have. Like you said, he's, he's underrated. He does more things. You know, five and a half sacks, he finishes in the top 10 as number 10. It's his second year finishing pretty high. I, I don't remember exactly where he finished last year, but it was top 15, like you said, um, two years in a row. And he's just perennially underrated. And even as a linebacker, I mean, you have an IDP flex spot, right? Like how good does it feel to put a, you know, a guy who's a low-end DL1 into an IDP flex spot? That's what you're looking for, right? Maybe I'll catch a boom week. So, I mean, even if you don't have to play him as a, as a DL, if you have a couple of real heavy hitters, you still are trying to find ways to plug Harold Landry into your lineup, whether you want to admit it or not. So, and as far as Jayon Brown, like you said, they're, they're playing different roles. I don't, I don't know how much they really affect each other per se, because I mean, they had that other guy come out and play for Brown, um, the other linebacker. I'm sure you wrote about him in your waiver wire articles, uh, Nate. So, I mean, somebody comes in and is still doing that same thing. You know, I mean, the same number of players are still on the field, different guys. Those are, you know, I mean, does, should it matter? Does it matter or not? I don't know. I try not to get too far into that. Um, because I feel like that's where we get caught up in narratives. And I think that's one of the sure. big, that's something I think the IDP community just in general gets a little bit too carried away with is the narrative. It's just like, like this, the, one of the biggest narratives last off season that I hated and I'm digressing again, but was that the Eagles were going to be good. Like that was a set in stone thing last summer. No, no one will ever say they said this, but there were so many people that said the Eagles are going to be good. They're going to be a good football team this year. And then they're like, Oh, they're injuries. Who I mean, who were these guys that got injured anyway? Well, the offensive line. So what? All they were doing was hiding the fact that you don't have a quarterback, okay? And who's hiding the fact that you don't have any wide receivers? The team was bad from the jump. Mm-hmm. But, no, you know, it's this narrative that one guy with a blue check mark and his buddies on this TV, and everybody says it, so we all have to look like, you know, well, he said it, he, he's right, so I'm right. And I just – narratives get carried away in, in fantasy football a little too much, and I like to push back on him a little bit because I don't mind getting, I don't mind if people hurl shit at me. I got, I got really thick skin, um, which is why I'm fine saying some of the things I say. Cause I don't, I know I don't mind engaging people either. I like, I think I'm a, I'm a big iron sharpens iron guy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I want you to, if you don't like what I say, I like that you have something to say back. Let's engage, like teach me if I'm wrong. You know, I would love to learn or hear your point of view. I'm willing to hear it, but. If, if you're just talking dumb shit, I mean, I'm not going to bow down and be like, oh, I respect your opinion either. I'm like, you're saying dumb shit um, <laughs> and you're saying it on my timeline. So stop. Um, all right, let's go to number 11. Brian Burns, second season, Carolina Panthers. Here's where we're getting some of the younger guys. You know, a lot of earlier guys were a little bit older. We got Brian Burns, Harold Landry, Montez Sweat down here towards the bottom of this list. But these guys are up and comers. Uh, Brian Burns, 15 games played, 205 points, only 15 impact plays. That does bother me. Um, his season was eerily similar to Harold Landry's uh, 16 impact plays for Landry, 15 for Burns, uh, 58 combined tackles for Brian Burns, 59 combined tackles for Harold Landry. So it's funny that people are just like 
people love Brian Burns. I mean, that's not, I don't have to argue about that, but people are like, oh, Harold Landry sucks. So it's interesting to me that, you know, you put them right next to each other. It's not really much different. You know, it's like when Pam gives Creed that picture of the office. She's like, hey, corporate needs you find the difference between these two pictures. And it's like, mm, the same. <laughs> um, nine sacks, though. That is the difference. Brian Burns did get home more. Uh, I think he played a few less snaps, but he, we all will also just admit he's a better pure pass rusher, too. So that's to be expected. So, um, what, what are your thoughts on Brian Burns going forward? I, I really like the situation. I love the young, the youth movement with the Carolina Panthers defense, especially. And he's an emerging leader on that team. Um, and, you know, he plays with attitude. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, go, go ahead, Jorge. I was just going to say, you, you hit the nail right on the head, the youth movement at defense. Look, last year they spent their entire draft all on defense. Assuming like 80% of those players pan out, like – that is a huge investment on the defensive side of the ball. And look what he's done with what he has so far surrounding him. Like if these rookies really pan out and there's a good development there, uh, yeah, you could definitely see him taking the next few steps there. Um, again, great value pick that you can find later on in your fantasy football drafts to fill in this role. Uh, I'm, I'm a believer in Brian Burns. I think he has a lot of upside coming up this season and seasons to come. Yeah. Again, piggybacking off exactly what you two said, Derek Brown, Jeremy Chen, the the names of the defensive just potential stars that they had just from last year's draft is is incredible. Burns did have a little bit of a benefit in that those the big plays when he came, you know, produced were monsters. So like on over half of his games where he had a sack, he had a forced fumble in the same game too. So not that that has any bearing on anything whatsoever, That's but good. I like that. It's true. They, so there's multiple games, three games in a row. He had a sack. He had a forced fumble with that um, couple multi-sack games. But, again, underlying skill set and, and just ability, I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to have enough you know, pressures and, and be able to shed. But I, I want to see that next year, what he does if he gets doubled. But I don't know if he's going to get doubled. There's too many options to have to do that. So. Yeah. Jeremy Chin uh, was a pretty effective pass rusher as well, low key. Yeah, he he overall, I, the one person on that entire defense that took a step backwards and went even bad step backwards, just because the total number of assisted to solo kind of normalized a little bit or got worse was Shaq Thompson, and that sucked because I love Shaq Thompson going in, but I didn't expect the impact that the other guys were going to have on him. And you know, we'll talk about him linebacker story down the line. What do you got, Jorge? Or you already said what you thought about uh, Brian Burns, right? Any, any parting thoughts? Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what it is. In, you know, his next season. Uh, that's all. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's I think he's just gonna evolve and get better. I like to, he's one of those young pass rushers. I really like him and Montez Sweat a lot. All right, number twelve, um, Shaq Barrett comes in seventh season in the league. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, he was not DL eligible last season on uh, Sleeper, but this season he was for whatever reason. They did change his eligibility. If he was DL eligible last year, he would have ended up being the number one overall DL player. This year he finishes number 12, still a top 12 guy. Uh, I see a bunch of people entering the chat. I don't know what is going on, but appreciate y'all. Follow, like, subscribe. We're out here doing our thing. IDP Army represent. Love you. Uh, but he came back down to earth this year in the box score. The pressures were still sky high. He was still making impact plays. Uh, only 17, but still we've talked about that's a decent number. And you saw the impact he made this last week against Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it matters to have a good pass rusher. And a lot of people were like, oh, you know, Shaq Barry, he's not going to have 20 sacks this year. 
I don't remember anyone saying he was going to have 20 sacks this year. I don't know why so many people went out of their way to say, oh, Shaq Barrett's going to re- like get, not going to have 20 sacks again. There was, nobody said he was going to. Um, so he didn't, but he still finished in the top 12 at defensive line. He still had a really good season overall for the edge position, and he made himself a lot of money this year. Mm-hmm. He's playing in the Super Bowl. If he gets a couple of sacks on Patrick Mahomes, I can't even imagine the contract he's going to get, the gaudy contract he's going to get. Because if, if Tampa Bay wins, they're going to win in style. I mean, they got a bunch of big personalities, Tom Brady leading the way, Gronk. I mean, it's going to be a party. So uh, what do you guys think about Shaq Barrett going into next year? Um, and, yeah, any any parting comments on, on Shaquille Barrett? You know, um, obviously he wasn't going to have that. Well, I shouldn't say obviously, but it was highly unlikely he was going to repeat that 20-sack season like he had last year or the year before. Uh, excuse me. Uh, I think the you know, the reason why he's 12 and not higher on this list, he's a victim of the quality of defensive players that are around him. And they just ba- – he, he basically uh, – everyone kind of assumed his role, whether it was the tackle volume, whether it was the – the sack upside, you know, so Kevin many, White stole so many yeah. sacks. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like he, uh, he's, he's like one of those players that, you know, what in clutch situations, he shows up and he makes plays. And otherwise, you know, you have, you have the other guys, you have the Devin whites, you have the, mm-hmm. the Davids, you come in hell, even Carlton Davis. So I'm actually a big fan of Carlton Davis is from an IDP perspective, as far as scoring points is concerned. Um, so many good players on that defense. Again, we talked about Jason Pierre-Paul earlier. Um, yet somehow, and this, this is a testament to him. Despite how good all the other ancillary players were around him, he still managed to make the top 12 in fantasy points scored. Like, that's really impressive. Like, mm-hmm. he found a way to do it. Uh, you know, where he lands next year. Is he a free agent this year? Uh, is yeah, he should. they put him on yeah. the tag. Wherever you think they're going to attack him this year, or uh, they might. I don't know. I don't like. I don't like getting into the the the. Or, yeah. That's not my thing. Right. I have no idea. <laughs> but he, look, the talent is undeniable, and his IDP value is undeniable. And again, he's you know in terms of looking at linebackers, just linebackers and fantasy point scoring, he's he's characterized as an LB four. He could fill your LB, DL one spot again. The value is there for these players down the list. Yeah, I, I'm going to just, again, I, I feel like it's easy to piggyback off you guys when we all share the same sentiment of, about what he can do, and that's that that dual tag. If he loses the the uh, DL tag he going won't. next year, he won't. You're right. Uh, I, I just can't see a situation where, again, is where he said value and where I've seen him going so far as of late, I have no problem sliding him in. Obviously, landing spot can dictate a little bit, but, you know, if he's back at Tampa, the, the one thing, like you guys kept saying, if you look at the, the, the big four there, is each one of them had double-digit tackle for loss. Uh, mm-hmm. We had eight sacks, nine and a half, nine. The, him and uh, Devin White both had 16 QB hits. Uh, so, I mean, imagine if just, just two or three of those turned into sacks where Shaq Baird on this list. He's way up this list. He, he's eight, massive. seven. Oh, yeah. I mean, you give him two sacks, he's 204. Two sacks, I mean, that's just, you know, 12 points. That would shoot him up into almost the top five, just like that. So, yeah. He's yeah. he's 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 an underrated player. Uh, I think, you know, he, he kind of got – he didn't even get an all-pro nod last year, which really pissed me off. Um, 
but I won't get into that. But yeah, that's the top 12 defensive line players, IDP Army. I'm going to read them back to you again. Again, we got a, a flood of people kind of showing up here in the chat. I don't know what's going on, but I appreciate it. Top 12 defensive line players of the year were TJ Watt, Zadarius Smith, Aaron Donald, Jason Pierre-Paul, DeForest Buckner, Leonard Williams, Miles Garrett, Montez Sweat, J.J. Watt, Harold Landry, Brian Burns, and Shaq Barrett that finished out the Real Talk series for the linebackers, defensive line, defensive backs. You can go back on the YouTube channel and look at those videos. Uh, one solo myself, one with John Macri. You can go to the uh, the feeds, obviously, where you get podcasts. Those are on there as well. Um, you know, before we go, if you want to leave a comment, anybody out there in the world, what do you think about bounce back candidates? Are we going to see Sam Hubbard, Yannick Ngakwe, Cameron Jordan on this list again next year? I would love to hear your thoughts in the comments. Please leave those. Um, as for anything else for me, you guys know where I'll be. I'll be back here again next week. I'll be on the Dynasty Nerds YouTube channel. But Jorge, Nate, why don't you hit us with some realness on what y'all are going to be up to soon for the going, you know, up for the offseason, and we'll kind of roll on out of here. Uh, so, you know, next week we're starting up our Dynasty content. We have been primarily since 2017 redrafts and IDP. We're going to take that a step further. And so look for our, ID, uh, excuse me, our offensive and IDP Dynasty content starting next week. And, you know, we've got so many things planned for you all, whether it's more live streams, whether it's more interaction on other social media avenues. Uh, we can't wait to interact with you all. And most importantly, not only help you win your fantasy football league, but help you become a smarter fantasy football player. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's it. Fantasyinframes.com is where you can find Jorge and myself. He's got a fourth in frames podcast. If you happen to, uh, do fantasy baseball, you can check us out there as well. I do the fantasy baseball content. I know, I know, Jordan. Is like the hey, you gave me you gave me a uh, soapbox. Scream, baby. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I, we would absolutely love to have you uh, come on with us sometime. We're going to keep this, uh, this movement going, man. I, I like structure, and, and I love what you're doing. You know what it is, IDP one, two, three. All right. That's it for me, IDP Army. Thank you for tuning in. Come back next week. Check out the IDPArmy.com. My website, which has two pages, is not in very good shape, but it will get better, I promise. Check out the Patreon soon to have some really cool stuff over there for you. I appreciate you, IDP Army. I love you. I appreciate my guys coming on. Thank you guys, Fantasy and Friends, for joining me. Thanks for supporting IDP123. It means a lot. My written work, Dynasty Nerds, you know all the stuff, guys. Love you. Appreciate you. Check you next week. Adios. Let the rain hit the sand. Build a house on a rock, got a plan. Gotta get stocks, keep them bands. Hear the clock tick, blades on a fan. Used to be mundane on a Monday. Now you have fun day on a Sunday. Cause you're switching it up and you're living it up.